what are you suffering with right now? That could be today. That could be recently. But what are you recognizing in your life that is causing suffering? Pain plus resistance equals suffering. I believe that. We see something that is not happiness. We resist it, and that causes suffering. Suffering is, is something that we can acknowledge and work with and release into freedom, or it's something that we can carry on with us. Mindfulness Outreach Initiative is a nonprofit insight meditation organization located in Omaha, Nebraska. We provide meditation instruction based on ethics, compassion, and wisdom, as well as social outreach programs based on transformation and healing. To join the MOI community or to practice generosity, please visit our website at mindfulnessoutreachinitiative.org. Just pausing for a minute, transitioning to arriving and greeting one another. And what is just so spectacular to me is that we could be anywhere right now. And we've all chosen to come here for an hour or so of our evening. So deep gratitude to this growing community and this common interest that we share in gathering and in the Dharma. So maybe connecting to our breath. And when I do that, I try to drop all the activity of this space, the thinking, the talking, the listening, just into my body. As I exhale, trying to balance out this experience. Letting the day melt away and seeing how easy it is to come to the present moment. Checking in with how we feel right now. Maybe assessing our ability to receive. Just being curious. And coming back into the room, opening your eyes. Raising your gaze. Just really downshifting and arriving in this space together. So we're going to talk about it, an oldie, but a goodie tonight. 
it's, it's a constant theme and undertone of this practice, and it's suffering. Some of you that come frequently know that we don't necessarily talk about new things that are earth-shattering all the time, right? They're kind of these same things that we're grappling with, that we're working with. They just might have just a, a slightly different sound flavor. Perhaps that'll be the case tonight with suffering. We might have fresh experiences. We might have something that we've been carrying with us for years, maybe even decades, that is hard to let go of. For decades of being a teacher, I can't help but want to want to assess us and check for understanding of our suffering, and that requires a question and uh, maybe a few or, or a couple or just one brave soul to maybe answer the question. But we know through the Four Noble Truths that, number one, there is suffering. But the second part is being able to recognize our suffering. So I can probably throw out some things that generally cause us all suffering. My question to a brave soul, or many, is what are you suffering with right now? That could be today. That could be recently. But what are you recognizing in your life that is causing suffering? Now, knowing suffering that we would all agree upon, I could give you know, a list of things and we go, oh yeah, that's suffering. That is different than being able to understand and recognize suffering in our own lives. That shows progress in the path. Things like name it to tame it comes up. We can name something like I have anxiety. Then all of a sudden I've got something to work with there. So it's this idea of recognizing our suffering. But this question of what is the cause for suffering in my life right now? What am I repetitively doing or what has come? What is coming up for me? One of the things that I'm working with is not knowing, uncertainty, and it's causing me suffering. I've done really good in my life of picking things, choosing destinations, goals. I listened and watched, you know, my whole life for how we think things are supposed to be and try to play parts, do my best. And I've come to a point in my life for various reasons to kind of go, what more could happen? Bring it on. I'm pretty good with what you're throwing me. Now is where I put those words into action. And I say, okay. You don't know. And what that brings up, of course, is fear. And I feel that fear is this in the basis of all of us. And if you're not quite sure yet, maybe that's just something to investigate, but it's the core. We do everything to 
preserve this, even if it's not even functioning at the best, this, because it's familiar and it's safe and it's expected to some point. We often build a wall of expertise because of our fears. We often build a wall or walls of expertise because of our fears. This mind is going to, you know, justify anything. These fears creep in, this like these ideals, these constructs. But we know, we see, I see things like phrases like growth is uncomfortable. That means you're, it's working, things like that, to counteract these things. Whenever I look at my suffering and what's causing me suffering and working towards freedom, to me, the common denominator is always fear. That's just what I've learned through my practice. So let's go back to this question, not of me, but the question of what is causing you suffering lately? What have you recognized in your practice? It's funny that you said fear because I was sitting here thinking like, that's what keeps coming up in my practice. I thought it was this like restlessness that I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And then as I like investigated it more and more, it's this fear and then I was like, well, what is the fear? Like this insecurity, right? Of, to me, what I'm learning is that it's this fear of not doing enough or being enough to like support those that I love or the people that I'm supposed to help or feel that I'm supposed to help. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to, I'm working through that actively, but it like really threw me for a loop because I was like, well, I got this fear thing down. Like, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of being poor. I've been there. I've been homeless. Like, I'm good. I'll survive if that happens. But I'm worried about, will I be able to take care of a child if I have a child? Mm -hmm. Or my wife? Or my mom and my sister if they get into trouble? And as I'm saying this out loud, I'm wondering why I'm putting all that on my shoulder. But yeah, that's the, this current suffering. Yeah, I love that. And Among I, many other things, obviously. Right, right. I, I just want to bring up this expectation, right? It's really important that we see the common humanity in this. There's not a person in this room that can't identify with that. But yet it is a fear. And so these expectations that we put on this, this confinement, this thing that has boundaries that would not extend on to someone else is interesting and that's the growth and benefits of this community. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, it's funny, I had something kind of slightly different come to mind, but it, it also, perfect when I stopped, it came back to fear. Cause I, something that I've been struggling with a lot is, um, I guess I think about it in terms of like greed, like wanting, not necessarily things, but experiences, wanting connection and less like, not dissatisfaction with what's currently available, but more of this fear that there's, there's not going to be enough time to see all of it. There's not going to be, you know, there's never enough time, even in a day, to, like, do everything that I thought, like, I'm going to do this today. So I just, I've been thinking about that a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that fear of, of not having enough time. 
And personally, you've had a, a lot of deaths in your family, right? You and your yeah. wife. So. Yeah, it just, and, and I hadn't actually before this year. And in the past three months, there's been four just people who are either family members or like close friends of the family. Yeah, so that's that's really coming. The, the the fear of not having enough time's always been there, but right now it's like, oh yeah, yeah, there totally isn't enough time. Yeah. So what do you do with that? Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. You thought you'd have a shortage of people suffering that wanted to talk that about it. That wanted to admit it. That wanted to admit it. Thought there's a difference. I mean, mine may seem trivial compared to some people's, but. I'm kind of a workaholic and I, I suffer with, with always wanting to achieve the project and get it done, no matter the cost, whether it's my health or my sleep or my practice. And I have a team of people that are there to support me, but often I, in an effort to protect them from having to work as hard as I do, I'll do things that I could probably lean on them to work on. And um, that's been my latest current cause of suffering. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So important to recognize that without this investigation of our practice and to notice discomfort, to notice being tired, to notice maybe not having the energy you should have. What we do with that, what we do with that information is important. So what I'm dealing with, obviously, you guys, most of you guys know my mom passed away in July, end of July. So I've been fortunate, fortunate enough to be able to go back to Phoenix for a couple months in the winter and come back here and take care of her. And being in my house that I grew up in, for my dad built in 1970. So now I'm faced with this impermanence <laughs> that we've been studying and attachment, because I'm so attached to it. I'm attached to Dharma. I'm attached to yoga. I'm attached to church. I'm attached to other things. So now how does this all look for me? Because I'm not going to have a home to be in here. So... It's bringing me sorrow. So I'm just trying to sit with it. And it's like that condition is leading to so many different conditions. Like I knew she, one day she would die, but I never thought it would happen, as crazy as that sounds. Like I just, yeah, she'll be here forever. So now it's like, yeah, what do I do with that? You know, I'm trying to sit with it and make friends, but it's like, how do you... Yeah, I just don't I just don't know how anything looks. It's just so much uncertainty that my life's really gonna change a lot. So that's what I'm dealing with. That's really hard. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Thanks. When we notice suffering, the inclination is what? Recoil, run away from it, resistance, tension. We want to fast forward. If we fast forward, if we resist it, if we, you know, all these great things that we see on Facebook, what you resist persists. I mean, there's a reason why we've heard this stuff, because it's the truth. And as I've said before, when we hear the truth, we know it. 
but we might resist the truth. So this investigation, this curiosity, this like self, it's really self-inquiry and, and self-study. It takes courage and patience to be able to look within. And what's, what do we need? What does the Dharma say that we need to cultivate the ability to look within? What do we need to cultivate before we can marinate in our suffering? What do we need to have? What tools? What do we need? What do we need to resource to look at uncertainty, instability, suffering? There's many answers. We use the breath to stabilize and come into the present moment as meditators. When we talk about shamatha, shamatha is calm abiding. In the Buddhist practice, we have shamatha and we have insight. There is no insight without shamatha. We need to be able to come into a position, whether it's like this or standing or laying, lying down, and to be able to be with ourselves. And sometimes when we look at the suffering, when we look at what we're going to investigate, that's the last thing we want to do. We're headed to the refrigerator, we're headed to our friends, we're in the car, we're working out, right? So the first thing we need to do is cultivate that stability and tranquility. Here we practice that through the breath. In our daily practice, it might be for five minutes, it might be for 20 minutes, and we, or maybe we've seen progress, right? And we do that for five minutes every day, and then, ha, my body feels pretty good, I'm going for 10. Whoa, I just went for 20. We know, we know this, that we don't get better at anything without practice. So for us to think that we can alleviate our suffering by ignoring it, or fast-forwarding it, or anything like that, is pretty ridiculous. Truth, and every one of you know that I just spoke the truth. We might not be prepared to hear that truth. There might be resistance in that. Well, certainly I can relate to what everyone's saying. Of course, I have a fear of the unknown, or of being enough, and, and all kinds of things like that, but I kind of have a question about the definition of suffering, because I, I once picked up in this room, and I think from you, Anne, that pain plus resistance equals suffering. So whenever I feel like I'm suffering, I ask myself, well, what am I resisting? And I look back at like periods of my life when I really was suffering, it was because I was always in like a state of like, I can't believe she did that part. How, how did this happen? Or, you know, I, I can't believe this happened. I, I gotta fix, like I was always wrestling with reality. But now, you know, that I don't really feel that state very much anymore because I have this like, well, yeah, that happened kind of attitude about things. So, I don't know, could you elaborate on, like, is like being anxious or fear of the unknown, is that really suffering or is that just an emotion? I think it's our human condition, but I think you answered your own question. So, I think there's, there's a point where... Yes, I'm kind of here to guide the conversation, but this process is so individual. And we often look 
outside of ourselves for the answer, which is the opposite of this practice. And that's why I'm kind of like pointing to you guys to like, wow, we're all like, have a fear of not being enough of all that. Why does this fear still exist? If we all have this, you know, what does it take to recognize that, this human connection? But yes, pain, uh, to, to just affirm what you're saying and what someone else said that I parroted, is that pain plus resistance equals suffering. I believe that. We see something that is not happiness. We resist it, and that causes suffering. Suffering is is something that we can acknowledge and work with and release into freedom, or it's something that we can carry on with us. Remember in the opening when I said, some of us have been suffering for decades. How lucky are we that we have this practice? How lucky are we that we have this framework, this philosophy to go, that's suffering. That isn't just the way the life has to be. Like this is a choice. This is through choice, through conditioning, through, I didn't know any better, our collective delusion that things have to look a certain way. I hope that was helpful. What you said was pure wisdom. So another question. So it it seems to me that with the practice, we may be able to lessen suffering as we lessen resistance, as we see things more clearly with greater acceptance, but that pain will always be there, that that pain is, is in the nature of living a human life in this human body. It's how we work with that pain. What's your relationship to pain? Well, I mean, I think the practice has helped me get just a lot more comfortable with pain. And I think there was a time when I thought pain meant there was something wrong that there was a mistake, that I did something that I shouldn't have done, that I could have done something differently. That, And now I'm like, no. Yeah, so for me to say everything is fine doesn't quite, or everything is wonderful, or doesn't quite get it because that mm. suggests an absence of pain. But I think I'm much better at having pain and still being able to touch into the joy of being alive. I mean, that's the gold there, right? So, you know, I ask you to investigate your relationship to pain. We're in relationship to everything. So everything that we talk about. So that I would send you home with some homework. What is your relationship to pain? But I identify with what Kim says. It's two sides of a coin. Pain is a human experience that's bittersweet. If we had no pain, would we be able to experience the level of joy and happiness that is available? Yes? No? So many different colors of suffering. But we can see ourselves in other people's suffering. But we move around like we all got it. She's got it. She's having a good day. Look at him, he's really fit. What a smart answer that person gave. This this comparing, this we are enforcing this separateness 
causing our own suffering. There's three tenets that I, re I recently read about in Buddhism that might help us with our suffering, a different perspective. We talk about viewpoint, we talk about our beliefs. There's so many different words that we can use when we study the Dharma to begin to understand this condition and our relationship to everything. And so these three tenets or beliefs in Buddhism help for me in my understanding of them create that spaciousness. When I'm suffering, I really made it about this boundaries of my body and my mind. And so the answer for me is always to get out of that. The three tenets are, the first one is practicing not knowing. And I brought that up as one of the things that I'm suffering with right now. Like, I am so skilled at controlling I learned this from a really, really young age. I could think fast and I could think different outcomes and I could, you know, by organization, by really thoughtfully thinking out ahead of things, it actually worked for me up to a certain point. I was very capable of orchestrating dynamics and answering questions and, and knowing people. That only works to a certain point. And I realized that even though it was successful and I got what I wanted, and uh, which was not just for my benefit always, it was for the benefit of others as well, is that it really was a lot of work, even though I did it repetitively. repetitively so it was just became second nature. I was really causing a lot of suffering. It was creating a lot of work for myself, and it wasn't natural, and it speaks to that not knowing. When we gather, I don't have to, I mean, certainly there are certain responsibilities when we have roles and responsibilities that we need to make sure that we're taking care of people. But to do that all the time, and, and to maybe deny, uh, not do things because I was unsure out of a fearness of uncertainty, huh, I didn't know that was happening. I just didn't feel like doing it. But there was this level of uncertainty and fear. A fear of what? The unknown. So this idea in Buddhism of practicing of not knowing. And it's such a humility. I love people who are vulnerable and go, I have no idea. Like, that's the truth. That truth that I speak about, like that resonates. When someone has all the answers, that's a flag for me. So how do we practice not knowing mind? How do we enter relationship with other people and other things with this idea of not knowing and being okay with them? This is what I need to practice all the time. I need to go, oop, resistance, tension, don't want to do something, why? It's okay, I don't need to know. I don't need to know however that looks for you, like giving the answer. There's this idea of restraining ourselves and letting things happen and what, what happens. 
You know, we cause suffering if we have expectations for things. So it's really being fully present and connected with our whole being to whatever. And that's actually bearing witness, which is the second one. You know, a lot of you know we teach a weekly class, a couple of weekly classes at the jail, and I happened to be there today, and we were going around the check-in with the women, and it's, you know, the invitation is, you know, what's going on? How do you feel? What's alive for you? And half of them were like sitting in jail. Can you imagine sitting in jail? How would it be to sit in jail and not know when you're going to be called up? not know like what your sentence is going to be. And half of these women were like, I just want to know. I don't care if it's like five years. And I'm listening to my relationship to that response, but that not knowing, that's just an example of not knowing or going into a situation. I think as many of you are teachers in your own right, teaching all sorts of different things and are parents and it's so important to me to make sure that people know that I don't know. But people come to us as parents, as teachers, as heads of something or bosses, and they ask us because that's the structure we've created, this top-down of like, well, I got to go to the top person. They know, or the oldest person, or the grayest person. You know, it's this idea of twisting things and looking at our relationship. Does that always serve us? Sometimes it might. But do we need to know? Do we need to ask? And to, asking questions are part of the process. So don't confuse that. I think it's so important to do that. So cultivating, practicing, not knowing. Play with that. It's hard. <laughs> it's it's kind of hard. It's the unknown, it's that uncertainty that we're talking about. The next one is bearing witness. Usually when we're bearing witness to something, it's something challenging. What do we want to do when we're bearing witness to something that's challenging? What do we tend to do? What if we see someone struggling? What do we want to do? We want to help them. Yes, we want to help and we want to fix. So bearing witness is also a skill that we need to cultivate. Being able to be present, not run away, because difficult situations add a whole other level of resistance and turning away and going to the refrigerator and going to exercise. And all these things are just I'm really like emphasizing them there's nothing wrong with them in our practice it's so important to create that stability we need to know how to resource our own nervous system how do we strengthen the ability to bear witness to difficult things I've got two examples of this quickly. I mean, a lot of you know my story. The hardest thing that I had to bear witness to was my husband's death. Did I want to fix it? Heck yeah. 
but I couldn't. And what was, what could I do for myself and for him was to allow him to have that experience, to learn from that experience myself. I was bearing witness to our common humanity yet again. We can't fix everything and help all the time. I had a friend recently who her daughter was in a situation. She's in her 20s. And it's kind of a big deal. I'm talking to my friend and she was just mom. This is mom and daughter here. What does a mother want to do? And she was so skillful and so brave and so compassionate. And it was so hard for her. And I talked to her after and she's like, ah. but her daughter set boundaries too and said, I'll talk about this when I can. She bared witness. She didn't intervene. She didn't fix and help. So in this practice, how can we cultivate and bear witness to the difficulty? It actually gets us off the hook sometimes. Like you hear about something that happened, you just have to be present. You have to have enough courage to show up. You don't necessarily have to say anything. You know, it's just acknowledgments. And if we can do that for ourselves, everything we have to do for ourselves first, by the way, we know this. We have to love ourselves before we can fully love others. We have to bear witness to our own pain. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Like we have to understand suffering before we can begin to understand and extend that outwards. Practice not knowing, bearing witness. And the last one is compassionate action. So compassion being the understanding of suffering and being with someone. And then sometimes it does involve action. And it kind of piggybacks on that bearing witness. When are we serving and when are we helping and fixing? And this goes back to the core of my practice that this entity, this belief, this person you see in front of me is nothing without all of you. You are a reflection of me and our condition. So if I'm doing something and I want to fix and help, that's not in good relationship with compassionate action. If I am serving, then I am serving for the benefit of all of us. It's not this intristic thing. Looking at compassionate action, being like Pat said, let it sit there for a while. We don't have to jump. Like we're always doing things quick. I'm gonna get things done. There's something else to do. Like I'll forget. Slow down. These are my words. This is my practice. So being able to look at compassionate action and go, what action is best needed? And sometimes we need to take time to know that. And sometimes it's no action at all. So we should feel good because we're all suffering and we're all in this together. So no one's on an island by ourselves. 
We've got all of this wonder. We've got people here that we can call upon. We've got the Dharma that tells us the truth. Hopefully there's some inspiration in that. Maybe we could turn our attention to practicing not knowing, bearing witness, and assessing our action to seeing if it's actually compassionate or if it's self-serving or fixing or controlling in some way. The world, no matter how many people have their hands in the world, we keep moving forward. I'm not saying it's perfect, but there's a lot of beauty in the world too without our hands in it. So I will leave it there, and I would like to sit to just let all this words drop. Sound good? Maybe even noticing how your body feels in conversation, whether you shared or listened. Is there any tension, excitement, relaxation? Just being curious of your present experience physically. Our body gives us so much information. And our mind is like, me, 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 me. So just checking in. Practicing your own stability and tranquility, your shamatha practice. Whether if it's a body scan, coming to the breath, a mantra. Can use the breath to calm the body. Calm body calms the mind.
dedicating the merit of our practice to all beings near and far, without exception. May they experience freedom from suffering. And deep gratitude for all of you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We know your time is valuable, so we are grateful you choose to spend it with the MOI community. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. To make an offering, please visit us at mindfulnessoutreachinitiative.org. And tune in each week for more Dharma talks, reflections, and teachings centered in the insight meditation tradition.